A diamond has long been a symbol of commitment, love, and trust. Isn't it time the diamond industry showed us the same values behind the scenes? Clean Origin is leading the engagement ring industry toward a brighter future, designing elegant lab-grown diamond fine jewelry that never compromises our values. A brand that doesn't just talk the talk, but one that was founded to make a difference, to offer a more environmentally friendly, conflict-free, and price-accessible choice without any compromises on quality. Lab diamonds are grown in a lab using cutting-edge technology that replicates the process of natural diamonds. A lab-grown diamond is chemically, physically, and visually identical to a mined diamond without the adverse effects of traditional diamond mining. And for a price of up to 10 times less, we don't know why you'd choose anything else. You know, I'm a Sag. I'm always going to say bigger is better. And with these prices, three carats is the new one carat, baby. Go big. Honestly, five carats is the new three carats if you really want to go there. You all know that we know a thing or two about engagement rings. And these clean origin rings are simply stunning, classic designs, and for a fraction of the price. From the color of your metal to the center stone and setting, you'll be able to customize every aspect of this very important lifetime piece of jewelry. Whether you're looking for an engagement ring or tennis bracelet or diamond stud earrings, Clean Origin has beautiful diamond jewelry that you'll be wearing forever. You can use code What's Your Sign for $100 off all orders over $1,000. That's $100 off all orders over $1,000. Go to cleanorigin.com and use our code What's Your Sign at checkout for $100 off of your order of $1,000 or more. Use our promo code What's Your Sign, all spelled out. Check out Clean Origin today. Hello, everybody. Uh, Real quick, before we get into this week's episode, we do have a couple of important announcements to make. Uh, The first is we have a discount code for this week's special guest, Lindsay Mack from Wild Soul Tarot. Uh, She is uh, starting her Tarot for the Wild Soul uh, eight-week course, and we have a discount code for you. Yeah, you can check out on her website with the code ARIES for 10% off for signers. So the registration... Uh, already started but it goes through march 19th so um and when you listen to her today you will be so thankful you have a promo code because you're going to want to sign your little tara 11 soul up asap yes also do you love stand-up comedy and hate the oscars (laughs) hell yeah (laughs) i will be doing a half hour of my brand of insanely stupid jokes uh, possibly bringing a rubber chicken. We don't know. We don't really know what's going to happen. Oh, hell yes. Might be doing some prop comedy February 24th at the Chatterbox uh, in Covina. Come on down and clown, as my boyfriend would say. Get out there. It's going to be so much fun. Yes. I mean, when was the last time you saw a rubber chicken, really? Let's yeah. be honest. I mean, Lisa Truly is an iconoclast of the, of the <laughs> form. Uh, do you like the aristocrats jokes? Yeah. <laughs> then uh, you're going to love Lisa's rubber chicken material. <laughs> but come out. Chatterbox is dope. Uh, we will see you there. Check out that promo code and enjoy this week's episode.
Welcome to What's Your Sign. I'm Julia Loken. I'm Stevie Anderson. I'm Lisa Chanu. And today we have a very special guest joining us on this uh, lovely new moon night. Uh, it is Lindsay Mack from uh, Wild Soul Tarot. Hi. Hi. Thank Hi. you so much for joining us. What a dream. Thank you for having me. How long have you been in town for? <clears throat> um, I think like I've been out of New York for about five days and I've been in town today is day two. Okay. Yeah. So just in time for all of the rain. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's, yeah. Kind of, it's kind of fun. I right? love it. I'm really into it. Wait, so you're New York City yeah. based yeah. and from Jersey. Oh, okay. So you're East Coast gal. Yeah, very right. much so. Yeah. I don't know why I thought you were like a like a not Montana, but just somewhere oh, like I'll take it. You know, just somewhere like real like wild and rustic. Maybe it's just because your voice is so soothing. You Aww. are ASMR, by the way. Like, thank you. Just like have to had yes. to say had to call it. The finest compliment. No, <laughs> I'm from like Patterson, Newark, Dirty Jersey. And oh, the fact yeah. that I made it out without any kind of, I mean, when I get angry, it comes out sometimes. Yes. But um, I don't know. Like, I do, I, I'm capable of a lot of range with my speaking voice, but uh -huh. <laughs> in terms of, like, harshness. But you've just given me, like, it's made my heart grow three sizes. Thank you for saying that. Aww. Well, and this <clears throat> might, maybe it's projecting, but it was, like, and we'll obviously we're gonna talk a shit ton about tarot. Word. But was like tarot maybe some kind of soother or like a calming factor in like a in a Sopranos household? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's none of that's wrong. Um, I don't know. I am. I don't know. I'm. It's hard to explain. There's always been this real ca capacity for softness in me. I'm a little shy uh -huh. and I'm very sensitive, but I'm also like an Aries and an Italian woman um, and loudness was encouraged and uh, I'm just capable, I'm capable of both. But sometimes I do get in this flow where when I'm talking about something, it's not really conscious. It's just sort of like I'm in it. It's hard to explain. I don't know if I am explaining it, but yeah, oh, I think that makes sense. tarot for sure. Like totally saved my life in a big way. Um, uh, yeah. So, well, you talk a lot about <laughs> to reference your podcast about like the quiet, um, how like intuition and, mm -hmm. and, uh, messages from spirit, whatever you want to call it are like mm -hmm. a quiet thing. And I wonder if that, um, just like being in touch with that and being able to um, know that there are different like levels helps you to not have to be loud all the time. Yeah. Like realizing that those like that you don't in order to deliver your message, you don't have to yell and beat someone over Correct. the head with it. You can just kind of it's like there isn't the same urgency there to be heard. Yeah. I would say that's definitely true. I find that with myself even just of like thinking about how fucking loud I was in my 20s I'm I'm still a loud very loud <laughs> person um, all of those sad memes about yelling and stuff <laughs> like that I'm, it's very true uh, but I'm thinking about like how how much 
drastically louder I was mm-hmm. when I was younger just because it's that like want, ma- wanting to make sure people understand like, you hear, literally hear you yeah. and feeling like that's the only way to do it is just to be over someone as opposed to you know Absolutely. taking mm-hmm. or even just like and I'm I mean we're never clear from it especially when, with podcasting you're excited about stuff but like just thinking about how much I would talk over people when I'm like 22 mm. and on Red Bull and just and vodka and just be like, blah, 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 blah. but um, it was just the Super Bowl. And we as a group noticed that quiet commercials were like all the rage. Like every wow. time it was like a really quiet Microsoft commercial about like you know fuck ableism and then like a really quiet Michelob Ultra with Zoe Kravitz literally ASMR literally doing (laughs) ASMR but but it was interesting because we noticed like we're all doing a power hour getting very drunk but (laughs) noticing like once those quiet commercials came on it was almost like it felt like someone didn't it's like someone muted the TV so there was that moment Mm. of like can you turn can you turn that up? But then it was actually, oh, wait, this is a quiet commercial. Now I'm paying more attention. It does get your attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It really does. There was a season of America's uh, Next Top Model where there was a girl <laughs> who always talked so quietly. And she said she was like, well, because everyone has to like listen to you. And I remember being so angry wow. about it because I knew it was like a manipulative yeah. reality TV show tactic. Uh-huh. But she's absolutely not wrong. Yeah. Um, well, th- these are also corporations too. Yes, airing these exactly. commercials. So they were, it wasn't, it wasn't lovely. And like, it was lovely. They manufactured a loveliness, but it yeah. was still like Microsoft. I feel like I have this, um, it's making me think, I don't know why, but have you ever seen, this is extremely random, but the trailer for Alien, the 1979 movie. Mm, I can't think of the trailer, no. but I've seen the movie. Uh, I highly recommend you watch it because it's basically like, it's a wonderful representation of the movie because that movie is so quiet and so slow mm-hmm. that the trailer is really just, the only noise in it is like the alarm of the ship. And it's mm-hmm. just like all these different things, but a lot of it takes place in quiet. Mm-hmm. Um I love this. It's such a random thing. I love the juxtaposition between quiet and loud, which Mm -hmm. is the dumbest thing anyone's ever said. But it's true. And it does get your attention very powerfully. Well, when you use I mean, that's yeah. when you're when it's used for uh, like specific intentions. Oh, yeah. I mean, I work at a hair salon and Uh, your hair is amazing. I noticed immediately (laughs) I'm getting I'm getting my hair cut tomorrow here. And I was noticing everyone's hair. Because, wow. um, yeah, it's beautiful. It's an L.A. thing. I think you so. Know. You guys have way better hair than New Yorkers. I said I, it. Well, I think we'd well, have to deal with less uh, like weather weather conditions, yeah. too, where it's like humidity and... Everyone in that. New York has the same Abigail Williams crucible haircut, where it's just parted down the middle very bluntly, and it's all one length right now. That's all everyone's doing. And I feel like in L.A., everyone is rocking a really beautiful bang. There's a lot of feathering happening. I really appreciate that. There's a little bit more happening for me. I, I know what you're talking about with this New York um, pilgrim. Yeah, sheet. you can't fucking get a feathered haircut in New no. York. No, and my friend, and she listens to this, just got bangs, and it was controversial in New York. Like, <laughs> like it was like a judge, it was like judgment zone. I believe it. And I was texting her, like, it will look very, very cute on you. Yeah. You have the appropriate forehead for baby bangs. Yeah. And she's like, this is gonna, I'm gonna be the only person in New York with bangs. For those of us who can't, <laughs> who don't have the bang, who don't have forehead privilege, because I do not, I have a gigantic forehead and I don't have that privilege mm-hmm. to be able to be without a bang. Like mm-hmm. a center, just a casual center. I part. have a problem. And mm-hmm. I've cut my own hair in New York for fucking years because no one will do it. 
Well, here, well, you came to the right place. I guess I did. They will, they will feather. But I, I completely cut you off, and I want you to continue. I was just gonna say it's like it's always so loud in there, but every time the music stops, you just like feel the energy also Mm -hmm. stop. And totally. So it, it definitely. I mean, it's you know it sets it sets a tone it changes things and it keeps things like moving so especially when that's what's so scary about like scary movies and stuff too is like when there isn't any sound absolutely you have no idea which is what i think we're probably just like animalistically in tune to be like oh there's nothing because that's the thing that happens before something kills you totally on you is that they get super quiet and still so you're not waiting for it and then you're like wait uh-oh, what's, ha- what's, about to, what's about to happen right now? I agree. Now? Ooh. Well, I was just talking to my friend about this in stand-up because I don't want to say that I was at a show, but I was at a show. <laughs> and people were like, it was interesting. There were interesting things happening. Like someone mentioned that there was an audience member on their phone. The audience member replied with, you're boring. <gasps> so stuff like that where it's like well you asked for it you know yeah. you, you yeah. called this person out also they shouldn't be on their phone i don't know you know what's the what's right well they're already like not on your side <laughs> right i well i just think it's interesting because i i will test myself sometimes on stage to see how long i can take silence and i'm like oh, five seconds mm-hmm. but when i listen back it's less than a second yeah um, and it's like you just don't realize how like you can't calculate time in it. You don't realize how quickly it hits you. Like mm-hmm. you don't realize how uncomfortable it makes you. Where you're, I'm like, I'm doing great in the silence. It's like your voice is going up an octave. Like yeah. you're not okay. Or yeah. you just start doing making some kind of sound like a or you know just like <laughs> mm, yeah. or yeah. like. I know that's so funny because I notice how quickly I default to like okay, yeah, like same literally saying that. Guys, like, you're like okay, you guys didn't like that, whatever. But mm-hmm. well, even think of like the science of podcasts, like ever, like all yeah. these think journal tanks are like the year of podcasts. Podcasts, everybody loves podcasts. It's like it's because it's like the acceptable form of things to listen to at work. That's right. It's because office people. It's like music is like can sometimes be just be a little too bump in. But like hearing people's voices makes you feel like you're part of a conversation. And yeah. also typically a podcast is like, OK, it's like an hour. Mm-hmm. And then if I listen to two podcasts, I get to lunch. And then after lunch, yeah. I have two more podcasts. And then maybe I'll end the day with some like upbeat music. So it's just like it's still not having. I mean, I get it. I've been in an office life. It sucks to just have nothing like yeah. I, I think podcasts help office people a lot especially yeah. if you're surrounded by losers but <laughs> <laughs> well, i think it helps having something that's like conversation because social media and everything is so stimulating that you kind of yes. feel like you're missing out on what people are doing uh, so if you have mm-hmm. that and maybe it's not that deep but because i'm just thinking about this now but it's like oh it makes you it does make you feel like you're a part of something yeah so you're not like yeah. oh i wonder what like oh, what so and so's doing in that kind of yeah. There's also like you're learning. Mm-hmm. Like it feels mm-hmm. like it's not like a waste of like, you know, clicking clickbait stuff totally. or like. What well, do you know. mean? Ours isn't. Ours is <laughs> our present company isn't. <laughs> <laughs> there are some podcasts that are worthless, right? We could say that. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I think no. so. Oh, yeah. I think so. Well, you know what's so funny is like I, I've I feel like I um, so I listen. I do. I listen to your podcast. I love your podcast. I listen to um, a couple of other ones, but I and I. I don't. I want to be very respectful about this, but also to say that as someone who's in this field, does this work full time, 
I cannot fucking listen to that shit unless it's got some humor to it. I just mm. can't do it. I can't. And uh, so mm-hmm. what I wind up just listening to are like murder podcasts and bitch sesh and reply oh, all. And like, sesh. yeah, it's like, so that's the only, and like, how did this get made? And like, because I do this work. I don't need to have it in my ear mm-hmm. when I'm making dinner. And I just find that very interesting how podcasts can sometimes be for some people, like this is going nowhere, but how podcasts <laughs> sometimes can be like, you're surrounded by the world, the company that you keep and live in. And then it's the exact opposite where podcasts can be this like magnificent escape and this reflection of a part of you mm-hmm. that doesn't always get a chance to be honed and to shine and to come out and stretch in your day to day. Yeah. Um, so I think like it, it's a very fascinating litmus test podcast. I so think, I think, oh, sorry. Which housewives franchise is your favorite <laughs> <laughs> I, which bravo series i must say i i actually didn't even watch housewives oh you just like before i started to oh. listen to bitch sesh um and now i am completely obsessed i'm a little behind on atlanta but obsessed with atlanta and the only um real housewives po- uh, real housewives uh franchise i've actively kept up with over the years is jersey because i know some of those women really like personally yeah, yeah. um caroline manzo's husband catered my my family's oh my thanksgiving oh dinner my <laughs> God. this just turned into yeah. a different podcast <laughs> Like the brownstone, like came and oh catered. My God. Yeah, That's like so funny. Yeah, my grandfather knew some of them, not well, but around and about because it's small state. It really is, and I'm wow. I'm in North Jersey ish, and a lot of my family lives in Kenilon. Distant family, not my family, not yes. my close mix. Yeah. Um, <laughs> would have been a very different life had I grew up grown up there. But I just love Jersey. It honestly reminds me of home a little bit. It like does. That's awesome. It like does. That's I know. Cute. I love it. But I'm get I'm getting more into it. Um, you gotta start Vanderpump. I know. Yes, I know. Vanderpump. I know. I mean, we might as well just turn the mics off and go to Sir. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Honestly, that's a good idea. That would be great. Truly. Pump, pump. Yeah. Pump anyone? I, I never watched uh, a ton of Housewives, but I have been watching Vanderpump, and nice. I do like it because the the stakes are a little bit lower. Because it's mm. like young people, right? Well, youngish people, um, <laughs> like uh, they don't have like kids and marriages Sounds and stuff great. yet. Sounds so where like... it's like it's just them kind of like fighting with each other and being totally. like, "Oh, you fucked up DJ night." Like, I'm here that, for that. That's awesome. funny. Yeah. And then you can also kind of be like, "Oh, well, they're allowed to be terrible people or whatever," yeah. like because it's. They're not, they don't need to like set an example for children. And mm-hmm. not that housewives aren't also allowed to be terrible. The first terrible, season but... of Beverly Hills is. And I would say them being, setting an example for children is a long shot. But yes. yes. I mean, the first <laughs> season of Beverly Hills is absolutely scandalous. I mean, there's yeah. a, I someone's go... being abused in secret. <gasps> the, there, someone's hiding a drinking problem. What else? One of them's hiding that her child, her child was a surrogate. One of there, it's like. The craziest. I have to go back. Is Denise Richards on Housewives now? I think she might be on this (gasps) coming season. Oh, see, I'm ready to drop in completely. I mean, I I really am. The last season, the girl launched a swimwear line and named a swimsuit after each housewife except for two of them. I think that's (laughs) so amazing. (laughs) 
Dude, it's, it's great. really great. I do love it. My I, husband and I are, are members of Bachelor Nation, but we're going to okay. expand. We're going to expand are out into Housewives Are you watching this land. season right now? Absolutely. I'm like almost you, caught up. You, do you guys know whose personal cell phone number I have? Colton's? Yeah. Oh my God. What? Text him right now. You Ask him, him his birth time. How I do you need know to know. Him? Because I do work in reality TV casting <gasps> and we try to get him for a different reality show. What? Which he said no because he's like, I think I'm going to be The Bachelor. And we're like, like really sweet. we're like, well, really? Because we have this <laughs> groundbreaking BuzzFeed show that you you should get ahead of the curve on. And uh, he made the right decision Clearly. basically at the end of the day. Wow. So yeah, we could prank call Colton oh right now if we wanted to. Oh, <laughs> that WYS hotline. Yes. Be like, call in. Wow. Leave a we message. could call from the Google Voice. We could. Yeah. I wish that he could come on this podcast, but he's maybe a little too Christian for that. He's actually, We I met him in real life. Okay. Very. I've never been attracted to a, a tall blonde man like that yeah, before. And but he got you. Easily. Like, because he's so He seems wonderful. Nice. And I didn't know this fact before we met. Because I would have never picked, I would have never pinned him mm. for a V card holder. Interesting, but um, he was very nice and very clean. He flew in from Denver that morning with his golden lab, probably, and was just like really <laughs> nice. But I could I, see it. He, I I like him, and he's like growing on me more and more. Um, did you watch Bachelor in Paradise? Of course I did. Okay, because I felt like his <laughs> the way he handled the Tia situation it wasn't was great. Like not great. No, it was not. Uh, it was not great. very. Uh, thoughtful but he's young you know they're yeah, young and absolutely whatever but so I, I, I needed to we were starting like below I think all of us were zero we absolutely and, were uh, well that premiere I mean that premiere, dude, was, that premiere was literally absolutely just insanity. it was it was unacceptable the number act- one and number two they did it because nobody liked him and yeah, because they were afraid they that there to. wasn't enough chicken on that bone dude okay Whoa. there were there were several uh, like they had like all these bachelor viewing parties and at each of the viewing parties they had so <laughs> they had a real couple get engaged like Why? on camera but they were all people strange. that like it was they were so bad the it would be like two, it was two seconds in the mansion and then Chris Harrison would be like how's everyone doing let's go to Tallahassee to see where these two former bachelor people are and they'd be like it's insane Chris we're here with this random party of people <laughs> and then they would be like let's Let's go to Chattanooga. It's insane, Chris. It was just literally oh like God. one That's random awesome. fucking viewing party. Sorry, can I curse? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. obviously, of course, of course actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it was just this round table, but you didn't really get any time with the gals. and Except for the so drama. Now, There's two competing Miss USA pageant contestants. One are. of them got in first runner up and she didn't. The other one didn't place. So they are obviously at each other's throats. I'm team Kaylin. All the way. I am too. I just. Did you see the most recent episode? You're going to be. No, I know. I know. I was like, I know there's, I know there's other things that are going to come to light. I knew Hannah B was like crazy, but I'm sorry not to use that word, but she was clearly spiraling. Yeah. Like that you could see her and she was talking about like. Yeah. I have a lot know. of compassion. We're going to be quiet about this in a moment, but no, no, I, I'm going to be. No, okay. We're going to be Great. quiet about it. It makes me feel better. Absolutely not. <laughs> have you, this is have my you read dream. her iTunes reviews? It's like 30 <laughs> minutes of reality TV talk up top, then followed by astrology. Wonderful. It's fine. This is our brand. And we, <laughs> yeah, we roll it's with the best. it. It's funny. And it's why I love you. Tell me if you guys agree with this as well. I used to not like reality TV at all, but I've actually found that more recently it is a pretty good litmus test for whether or not I'm like, I actually am being generous and empathetic Mm. for people because I feel like when I am not, then I can't tolerate 
reality TV because I'm like, these people are so cr- like, what are they doing? They're so rude, stupid. Mm-hmm. Why? Why does anybody care about this? And people that watch this are stupid. Mm, like this. Right. Why do we? These people aren't. There's important. a class, like a class. Level. Yeah. I would love to think that loving reality TV makes me more empathetic. <laughs> but that is not the case for me. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. There's something about where I'm like, I feel like I'm able if I'm able to be generous and just enjoy yeah. like the the drama and not judge the yeah. people on it the same way then I'm in a better place. I mean from working in it, yeah. Like I d- didn't watch any of it for the first few years I worked in it and then I found my special holes. I- I'm not into the pumps yet. I will, I'm sure. I can't but I'm a 90-day fiance head. Excellent. All the way, all the way. Excellent. But I can't remember who told me this. It was some coworker in reality TV and they were at like some like in Colorado at a spa, like late night hot tub and a, a, a lesbian surgeon. They're both surgeons and they're both le- power lesbians, brain surgeons come down and they relax in the bubbles. It's like, who are you? I'm, oh, I work in reality casting producing. Oh my God. You know, we're stressed all day and we love nothing more than to come home and it's just, medicine. and just, just zone out. Like it's not keeping Cause there's so much good TV. There's mm-hmm. so much, beautiful television right now but like it's impossible to only like good tv yeah like i think that's the balance of like if you only watch high-end snobby tv and if or if you only watched reality tv then there's like probably a problem Mm. on on either side but i think having a mix is very healthy i agree i don't know i think it's probably the one place on television where women are allowed to just be nasty or all sides of a woman yeah so i think that's cool and and be over 40 mm-hmm. oh true that's a great point like, you know there's something and, and like not like a size two or like yes. this like it's it's it, what you're saying is like it's all everybody there's something really interesting happening on the bachelor this year with colton season because my husband has noticed this too these um women are literally um I don't want to use the term so young because they're the age that they are. Young is beautiful. It's wise. It's great. They're like, I think out of the 20 somethings, most of them are around 22, 23 years old. And it is so interesting to see the energy coming out of young women like that, women like that. And I think that The Bachelor is very interesting this year because. I would say Demi might be an exception because she seems to really know what she's doing. She seems to really know how to work an angle. But even Hannah B, I don't think, like, <laughs> gets it. I don't know if she gets it. That, I know. Oh, that they're so young. Yeah. 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 I love that or reality the, the, TV has, like, initials. Like, it's yeah. that's the only place on TV where you have a Hannah B because there's probably because already Hannah there's C. There's a Hannah G. Because, she, there's a Hannah G. because <laughs> you nailed it. Because Hannah B, like... I've been Hannah B. Oh, of course. I'm an Aries son. I've been Hannah B. Where I'm like, this person, there's not going to be enough for me. This person's here again. I don't know how to keep my shit together. And because this person, who knows what happened between them, like honored their boundaries with me and probably very wisely stepped away from my ass and was like, hi, putting up a stop sign. Like I have been Hannah B so many times, but there's something about like, the purity within the action that's being taken this year that's a little bit like it feels a little bit actually more real to me than in other years because the women just know what they're doing a little bit more in other mm-hmm. seasons and these ladies I don't know yeah. I don't know I about mean, that there are people who have grown up somewhat with like 
public eye on them with like social media and stuff. So they might just take to being on camera as if it's just normal, which is like interesting and cool. And having to to kind of like um, consolidate your life into things that are that that are digestible for people even if they're not on tv just like thinking like oh i need to fill out my about sections and i need to be able to be defined by this quote and these are my likes and these are my things so you have like which isn't a bad thing but they just kind of have like a rolodex already ready of like oh here are things that here are qualities that i like about myself here are things that define me my interests and these are the like these are the uh i don't know these are my like uh what's the like uh your like statement, your mission statement, yeah, whatever, like that kind totally. of thing. Totally, like, you, you just made me realize that like what we've talked about with this podcast agenda of being like for the people, like reality TV is almost like the astrology of television because you're just mm. like watching different types of people try to function together. Wow. And how how do you come at someone with your manipulation? How do you come at, with someone with your anger? Yeah, how do you yeah. think about this? What if you had a show where? everyone was a cancer and they all worked in one restaurant it was sir los angeles <laughs> <laughs> and it was called vanderbump rules because that's yeah. the they're all cancers i mean almost all of them and a lot of them have the same birthday. their family and they just like fight over whose birthday party it's gonna be and like divide up who's gonna oh. go it's awesome okay have yeah. you ever seen cancers fight over whose birth i have so many cancer girlfriends I've all seen three days seven apart wow. seasons of it and they're and they're and they are air quotes fine with sharing the birthday they are not fine some with years it. they're fine some Who? years one of them goes to mexico and one of them tries to go as far away as possible from mm-hmm. mexico mm-hmm. it's amazing <laughs> it's amazing um Lindsay. Yes, ma'am. Do you feel like an Aries? No. Interesting. Not really. Growing up, were you aware of, like, when did astrology kind of, like, appear into your life? I think I remember, like, um, maybe, maybe seven or eight years old seeing the newspaper and mm-hmm. being like, oh, that's mine. <laughs> cool. You know what I mean? And, like, understanding that... I had the sign Aries. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got my first tarot deck when I was 12. Mm-hmm. And so st- I'm like, I would never call myself like, I'm still very much, I would say in terms of like the art of astrology, like learning still, like I know some things and I know mm-hmm. maybe more than the average, but not crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I've sort of always known it, uh, because I had an interest in that stuff really early. Are your parents like woo-woo? No. No. Okay. Where did the deck come from? I just, I saw it in a bookstore and I wanted it. Oh. I had never even heard of tarot, but just felt like I wanted it. This, it. I have like a few questions written. Yeah, and that yeah. Go, this goes with, I feel like this is an ancient question. Please. Asked since the beginning of time. <laughs> Getting a deck. Yes. Can we buy them for ourselves or must they be gifted? Absolutely. They must not be gifted. Whoa. They can be anything. There are no... The person who made that rule up is an asshole. From? Is that a person who did that? Eh, who knows? Mm. It, there are no rules. And it's just an effort to bring in capitalist patriarchy into these spiralic arts. You can do anything you want. You don't need to be gifted. You can totally buy your own deck. Hear that, everybody? Yep. I think that's lovely because it also is that, and you, 
I've listened to your podcast as well, and I feel like you talk about this often about how it's, um, you know, obviously you, you should learn tarot and learn what the, the symbology is and the, the cycles and everything mm-hmm. like that. But it is also like you don't need a higher up necessarily no to to give you access to this thing. So, no it's, way. you know, there's guidebooks and things like that, mm-hmm. but it is also your experience with it. And I think oh, that yeah. taking away that, oh, someone needs to gift it to you, takes away some of that kind of exclusivity yeah. that, that you do need someone who, like... Because the implication of being gifted a tarot reader is that you're somehow chosen. Yeah. And that's uh, bullshit. Because mm-hmm. everybody everybody who feels a draw to it, this here's the truth. Not everybody feels a draw to a deck. There are plenty of us who are like, this is fun, it's cute, but next. And I think that that goes into this thing of like, I feel like I, I have this conversation a lot among my close mix that like there's sometimes not and this may be controversial somewhat to some people listening, but like there is often, I don't think enough respect paid to people who have certain gifts. Like I feel like everybody's an astrologer, but that shit is an art form Mm -hmm. that takes study and knowledge. And I'm not saying by the way, that not everybody can be an astrologer. Anyone can be, it's for the people by the people. Um, But I think too, because there are all these like rules ascribed to shit that people don't know that they can empower themselves to basically learn, take on anything they want to. And tarot is one of those tools that ultimately is an interpretive art form. So no matter what that someone says about the empress, it really doesn't matter. It's nice to know what these 10 people say about it so you can turn to someone and say, yeah, this is what they say, but here is what I think. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you think? I have a couple questions. I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> I like rules, so I'm a whatever. I don't like that word. I hear you. Rule, but I love rules. I'm a you know I'm <clears throat> a nerd or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was wondering if there's anything that you do before you read someone in order to either center yourself or like cleanse your energy, and also if there's something that a recipient of a reading can do in order to cleanse themselves or center themselves before getting a reading? So I'll speak about myself first. Um, so what I do is uh, sometimes I do, I always clear in some way, shape, or form, and that changes. Sometimes it's like utilizing the water in my shower to clear. You know, sometimes it's like, selenite and sometimes it's whatever um but for the most part the only thing that i really need to do in order to read for someone and stay very um sealed is i just drop in before i read and dropping in is a term that essentially means that before you pull cards for someone you're saying Um, hi, whoever I pray to or work to, um, I'm calling on you to help this person. And I'd like to pull cards and have whatever is meant to come through me be in my highest and best for all and only in highest and best. And I don't really want to hear from anything that's not in highest and best. And when you do that, it keeps everything sealed. You only get what you're supposed to know. And there's no transference at all for me. This has never, I've read for 
thousands of people and was a full-time reader like six, seven, eight people a day, five days a week. And other than just being tired, I never had transference because it's a very simple way that's tool-free that works because we're in a free will universe. And if you say, I don't want to see that ghost, go the fuck away. I only want to hear what's in highest and best. They will listen to you. Would you consider that a rule of tarot or would you say that it's another thing that you could do whatever you want to do? You can always do whatever you want to do. What I would say to what I just shared is that it could, I would ask, well, I would not ask, but I would invite someone to consider that dropping in could make their practice infinitely easier. I I think it's important, but I just wonder if you think that. Oh, um, hell yeah. Uh, and what would you say to someone that's getting a reading that maybe wants to clear their energy or, or only receive certain types of messages? How could they center themselves? I would say that um, that's super personal. And I would say that whatever someone really needs to do, like really to just show up perceptive, but in terms of what the person does before they receive the reading I feel like in my in my years of doing it for some people it's literally like they just have to eat so they don't show up hungry and for some people they have to get out verbalization and nervousness like they have to communicate I'm scared I'm worried and that's part of my job to be able to be like that's all wonderful thank you for trusting me with that we're safe in this space and then once there's the verbal discharge they're able to calm down so it's I used to have verbiage I don't give readings anymore but I used to have verbiage on my site that was like um a little tiny bit of an invitation like whatever makes you feel like I used to tell people like show up fed and hydrated and give yourself a little space before you come to really get clear on what is coming up to get your attention today because sometimes we think we need a reading about something but really something else comes up then the reading can go in this beautiful direction um and i'm not meaning to hedge your question i just i would hate i I was just asking because sometimes i'll be driving to sherman oaks and oh there's (laughs) no parking and then i get in a toot about it and yeah we're like why am i here to get a reading if i'm gonna have a bad attitude about the parking meter and you know it's like if it's have a sandwich or take a couple breaths, it doesn't matter as long as yeah. I can get out of my head for it. Well, you know what's interesting with you saying that? And I I want to speak to that, not that you asked, as both like someone who's been in your position 1,000 times on my end and also someone who has served and held space for people like that. Sometimes, and this is my languaging, so just sub out whatever works for you, like sometimes guides will do that and will stir us up and make us upset just so something will come out. It's kind of like eating, I don't want anyone to eat bad chicken, but it's basically like (laughs) puking to just get something out of you. And sometimes like no parking can be an enormous gift. And sometimes like when we're running late and losing our mind, like it allows our reader to like take a shit that they've been holding for three hours or like have a bite of a sandwich like you know and I've never found that it hasn't worked for me if I've been late the only time I find is that some people can't be flexible with that and so if I show up late they're like well you're late and I'm like well 
that was probably for you too. <laughs> you know, like, so not to be disrespectful, but I totally feel that. I understand that. It's a weird thing getting readings because you're like, one of those fucking stranger's house or space or whatever the fuck, I'm parking my car. It's Then you're done with it. And you're like, I have to get back on the subway, I guess. And all that feeling is gone. So it's a long way of saying I, it's a process for sure. Oh my God, I love your eighth house energy so <laughs> much. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Did you try to do any other career beforehand? Yeah, I was. I tried to be an actor. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're so healing. Like you're just like a soothing soul. Aww. It was. Yeah, it was no way that I was ever gonna. Take I, that. Can see. <laughs> I can see. I can see. Yeah. Thanks. I got. I got some work in New York when I was. It, it all stopped right at Saturn Return. Are you wait? Were you a theatery? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cute. Yeah. I had a experimental theater company in New York called Everywhere Theater Group, and like, yeah, mm-hmm. did I wanted specifically to do weird things, and did. I was happy to be able to do that, and then that all stopped around twenty seven, twenty eight, in a good way. It was yeah. great. I was just all done with it. That's awesome. Um, what? Do you believe the, I mean, obviously we know that there's like, well, or maybe we don't, uh, the Mm -hmm. collective we, um, you know, (laughs) astrological associations for tarot cards. Mm -hmm. What do you feel like the relationship is between the two? Do you feel like they just inform each other or supplement each other? What, or what does that mean to you? I mean, you mean the relationship between like the emperor and Aries because the emperor's ruled by Aries? Yeah, I think just any, any of the. Yeah, what does it mean? What does what do those connections mean to you? And then how do you, you do if you do use astrology mm-hmm. at all in your it means it means everything to me. And I didn't when I was a reader, but as a teacher and a facilitator, it means everything to me. And actually, working with tarot has helped me to understand a lot more. I think about signs and planets than I did before. And there are other because there, there are times when I will happen upon a card and if I'm teaching it you just have to go so far into like your books and because my my style has always been um without really like making it a style like I read everything and then I throw it away like I want to know what everyone says about it does it resonate does it not it's the Virgo rising in me. I really like being a student. I like proper lineage. I like to know. And then, uh, but it really doesn't matter because if it doesn't mean anything to me, then it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) But there are lots of times when I have to teach a card and, you know, it's funny because you can be a reader and kind of, um, someone can, ask you well what does this card exactly mean and not everyone can really explain it theoretically in a way that can be understood um and the sign or the planet of a card is sometimes the gateway in big time yeah and like for example the fool is ruled by uranus and it's really powerful to call upon full energy when you think about Aquarius moons because that's not immediately what you think because the stars ruled by Aquarius. But there's just interesting parallels to make. And I fucking, I'm, I'm very interested. I like it very much to work with that aspect of it. Okay, follow-up question. <laughs> this is a selfish one. Um, Go for it. So astrologically certain signs rule certain body parts is there uh-huh. any 
of that in tarot. I know you do work with trauma and tarot. I do. Um, and I know that not all trauma is physical, but do Word. you see those body parts depicted in cards? Is it mostly visual to you? Do you work with that at all? Mm. I actually think it is there. I do. Um, and I do work with it. Um, but I don't know that it's so intuitive for me. I think it's that I've studied it. So I know that if there's a lot, like for example, if someone that I'm working with in the core of their reading has magician, which is ruled by Mercury, the lovers, which is ruled by Gemini, and they have maybe like ace of swords, then my mind without necessarily like going into esoterics or channeling would immediately go to like communication and speaking and breathing and the triangulation between like the breath and the hands and the nervous system. Like what is wanting to come out of you? What connections are asking to be made? Because I would immediately be like, oh my goodness, like so much mercury, so much Gemini, so much air. Um, I don't know if that answers your question, totally. No, but it totally does. Yeah. I, cause it's just such an amazing way to look at it. Um, I really love it. I think it's great. How do you, um, I, I'm hopefully I will be able to say, ask what I'm trying to ask. Mm -hmm. Um, where, like, wh how do you make note of those kinds of connections? Be it, uh, whether, I mean, obviously, like you said, you read something, mm -hmm. you know, and you're like, oh, this is, this card is associated with this time of year or with these, but I guess it's more about like the anecdotal stuff. Um, how do you remember what combinations like, oh, when these three cards show up, often someone gets a new job or something like that there, mm. I feel like there are those things that obviously you'd only learn through, through practice and through doing readings and mm -hmm. things like that. But how do you, I guess, know how to just like share those interpretations of things that are more, um, I would say like exact. Yeah. And then how do you store them in your mind and refer to them later? Um, excellent question. You verbalized it beautifully. Thank you. And <laughs> this is what I would say about it is that it is no different than learning to sight read music, that there are only a certain amount of notes on the piano and the more you practice and the more you get better at really communicating with your instrument, the more you understand when you look at like a reading that shows up for you, maybe let's say like a piece of sheet music. At the beginning, you're like, those notes are impossible to play together. I don't understand what those four cards are doing there together. I cannot interpret that. That makes no sense. Um, but actually, the more you do it, there is just something that happens. And I, I feel that it is actually exactly the same as learning an instrument. It's actually like, I'm not saying that tarot is not this incredible, beautiful, esoteric, mystical tool, but it actually, like everything you need to know about it really is rooted in these um, symbologies and there's a lot in the theory of it. And if you know that, and if you're able to bring your understanding to it in a different way these knowings you just understand that there's something for this person in that direction or in this direction and I know it sounds crazy but you do remember because you just 
the more you use tarot, the better you know it. Like most people uh, that I teach are like, um, I've been reading tarot for like 20 years and I read for myself and I've been reading for myself for 20 years, but I like don't know it. And I always tell them like, if you give yourself 10 days of reading for other people, you're going to know better than you did for the last 20 years because you really learn everything by practice and by fucking up royally and being in front of cards and being like, uh, I see a lot of red in this reading. <laughs> Interesting. Like when you're first coming up, you know, but you do, you just remember in the same way that someone who's a pianist is like, they know. But to us, it's like, how the fuck do you know this? But you do. Cause, yeah. Well, yeah. That, that makes sense too, even just thinking of it as an instrument because you can fuck up all the time at home, but nobody's oh, going to. Yeah. No one knows. Say mm-hmm. yeah. you fucked up. Not that like, you know, we're all being like good mystic lady sure of course like (laughs) can you fuck up tara it's like well yeah no but like because you're learning but if you have that like if you really want to like strengthen your muscles Mm -hmm. of being able to connect inherently and you know just like putting together like with the natal chart it's like okay i can see your planets i can see the houses and i can see how those all relate to each other so i can as long as you are relate to your chart in some way this is probably gonna make some sense for you yeah um you might not be able to answer this question. Go for it. What's your favorite card? I don't know if you're allowed to answer that. Oh, or... I think you are. No rules. No, <laughs> no rules, rules, man. Um, <laughs> what's my favorite Or cards, card? if any are like. It could even be, I like to uh, put the qualifier on like right now. Yeah, word. Oh, there you go. Right now, I'm really finding myself in a bit of a love affair with the nine of pentacles Mm. and I'm also really appreciating the presence I'm learning to appreciate the presence a little bit more with three of cups okay those those two right now are in my grill and nine of cups uh, nine of pentacles I'm sorry has come to me in moments specifically the last few months that have um shown me that like it's kind of ready to initiate a little bit of a deeper relationship with me. And so I'm enjoying the fact that it's coming forward and we're doing a little bit more work together. And Three of Cups, just because I'm an extreme, I'm an extremely isolated, introverted person and I really Mm -hmm. actually don't care much for socializing. (laughs) Um, But uh, it's like great and the three of cups is kind of like you can there's a little bit of balance that could be struck here you know like um in your day-to-day so i think you it's really like three of cups right mm-hmm. that's so nice yeah it's just so lovely yeah i mean it's a good a good communal mm-hmm. um i think there's something too about like the three number that it is because it's not um yeah it's not the two of it's not uh you know a relationship it's the how do how do we share for like the group how do you do that because i always think that like friendship dynamics especially female friendships thinking about childhood things where it's like three there are often Mm -hmm. groups of three and it's about figuring out how do you fit uh, in in this group yeah how do you fit in in the group and then how do you also cultivate individual relationships but then also maintain the relationship of the three to like that that is also a thing and uh i don't know maybe that's the child the mediator child in me too that's interested in that but it's lovely yeah i have a hard time with it yeah so do i it's hard i don't 
often I think celebration and alcohol go together and you see them cheersing. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I'm like, it's a, a wary road where I I'm like, that. I don't want to go too far on it. I hear that. Yeah. With the three of cups. Mm-hmm. I hear that. I need to learn more. The t- it's interesting because I like um, just the way you present information. I think before we got into like reality TV, there was something that was brought up about like tarotum or podcasting, uh, but it's also just being like, here's all this information, but also like there'll be like a sentence or two where you have a reminder that you're a real person. Like, and I mean, mm-hmm. and I don't mean real person in like a, but no, you know, with like woo woo, like podcast or art yeah. or anything, it feels like this level of like, am I allowed to, do this like even like wikipedia i thought was only for wiccans when i was a kid like i like i didn't think i was allowed to log on to it and it was just like oh should i and it's same with like when i have my decks i'm like there's some like um you know like i feel like i need to be granted like permissioning you are allowed to look at this in a serious type of way so i just like i'm feeling like thankful for you here because i feel like a lot of listeners will feel that way too about pleasure um i guess any advice for anyone that's maybe to get unafraid of their deck rather than maybe maybe if they're not ready to read for people just yet because that might that is scary you know that's like seems like next level but like yeah is it just sitting and just looking journaling books resources like who what are what does someone do with their deck that's been like itching to bust it out i think that um i'm gonna actually take it back a step and i'm gonna say that i think you have to find a deck that makes you feel safe Mm. uh like for example smith rider weight is the classic deck that is really the backbone of many decks and descended from the marseille tarot as some people know it's also only white people only able-bodied people um and although that's a really respectable deck to learn on and to work with because um it is and it's great and if you know it you can pretty much read any deck um I not everybody starts with that deck Hmm. so I would say take yourself out really treat it like you can choose your ideal lover like what lover would you choose would you take any lover would you take a lover that like somebody was like oh you'd like this lover (laughs) you know like so I think I think for some people the key is sometimes like they're in a relationship with the wrong deck and it can unlock everything for you if you're if you are coming home communicating talking to a a deck that also wants to talk back to you it's very similar to the wands in harry potter there really is a symbiotic relationship there and some decks that i work with as a teacher refuse to read for me and some decks um, will read for me for a little bit but won't read for me on certain things um, they really are kind of like they do come alive in the hand and will mm-hmm. respond in one way or another. And once you have the deck that is right for that moment, I think it unlocks everything. And I, then I think it's just like practicing and playing and like fucking around and knowing that nobody like nobody got granted permission. Nobody has a hierarchy on the tarot. Everybody has something to say about it that is worthy and valid. And really, if somebody is a teacher or a guide or whatever, the only thing that they're really doing, ideally, is undoing any fear. So Mm -hmm. for example, if you and I were working together, and if you were a student of mine or whatever, we would work together on like, 
what could I do to hold a space of support for you so that three of cups became a safe card? And that has, yeah. And that has nothing to do with like, no, it's this way or it's that way. It's Mm -hmm. just like, wow, like this is your, your flow with it. This is my flow. Nothing's wrong. And it's like, there's this like misinterpretation that someone's going to tell you everything. And it's really like actually just undoing the stuff that's holding us back from our shit with it. You know what I mean? Not I think that you it changes specifically. all the time too. Like, oh, of course. There are cards that I used to really hate and then now I'm like, oh, them. well, I really think it's cool. Or like mm-hmm. my boyfriend got me a incense burner that has a tarot card on it and I'm like, oh, I never looked at it that closely and That's I'm like, cool. this is a cool card. Like, Yeah, I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. How much have you looked at your natal chart? A lot. A lot. So you like know you you're familiar with like most of it. Most of your placements. Yeah. We've touched on like being an Aries. wasn't maybe the most natural thing growing up or it was like, what is this? Is there elements of your chart that once you kind of got to tap into it, you're like, okay, like this is me. This is actually who I see this is this placement or this house or this aspect's way more of like what I've been putting out there. Yes. So it took me a really long time to... I've been on a real journey with my Virgo rising, but now that I am living the way that I am in the body that I am, I would actually say that it's my North Star for most things. And it is a very alive force in my life when I try to do things that are a little bit more egoic. It has a way of snapping me back into like, this is a lifetime of service for you. Like this is, it has to come from a place first that there, I don't know what, how to, even, even me verbalizing it that way is not quite it. Mm -hmm. There's just something different that, um, it does something different for me that, um, is very subtle and very difficult to explain, but that I can understand. I'm also a nine life path, which is also hermit. So there's just (laughs) something really powerful about that. Like, um, and to put it, I think actually a little bit more, uh, clearly, uh, you all know that I'm an Aries and I have a Leo moon, but, um, everything in my rising in my life path number is like, take it one step at a time. Mm -hmm. Go really slow really take your time let it be really sacred and there are parts of me that are like no let's like rip through so you know it helps but the thing that actually I would say literally changed my life it was figuring out that I was an eighth house sun and an eighth house mercury that was Mm -hmm. the thing that I was like I feel like now I understand. I feel like I've been validated. I'm married to a Scorpio. I'm, I don't know how you, you gals feel about this, but like I'm technically like if you do that, like Walter Pullen shit, I'm a Scorpio dominant by like oh, an yeah. enormous degree. Uh, we're, we're dominant and oh, de- yeah. deacons, decans, like all yeah. that. Like, because I mean, how many pieces to this puzzle are there? Yeah. Like, there's so many. And it's like, Again, with what you said, no rules. Like no it's, rules, it's, yeah. If you connect to something of your chart, yeah, lean in, but like, it ex- explore it. And it explained like all of my really dearest friends have been Scorpios, and mm-hmm. it, it's always been like I'm t- like in that old school thing. Like we're not supposed to get along, and I've always gotten along very well with with that energy. Mm-hmm. Um, but learning that I was an eighth house son like permissioned me enormously. It helped me to understand why my life had gone the way that it had. It helped me to understand why 
I didn't always feel like I was an Aries mm-hmm. um, and kind of gave me a sense of empowerment that I had never had. And I actually like figured that out um, like only like three years ago. I just like didn't understand houses until about three years ago. And then when I finally sat down and like, you know, um, just really powerful. I think too, with seeing your moon in the 11th house is kind mm-hmm. of a nice uh I mean, it certainly complements the Virgo rising service aspect, but also it being Leo and what you do, mm-hmm. it makes it makes a really interesting thing where you are the personality in service of someone else. Does that yeah. make sense? And that's like the and story of my life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's like the story of my life. Like I can't be Aries without it being in a Scorpio body. And I can't do Leo stuff without it being in an Aquarius energy. It's like well, we have similar. I'm Libra rising, oh, and wow. uh, so we have similar house placements mm-hmm. um, in that. And I always find that when it's like the so everything's like the the right house, but not quite like opposite. And it's in a place yes. where it's comfortable, but it's like in an opposite way. So it's yeah. like outwardly inward, and those like oxymoronic yeah. kind of things that. Um, I feel like just make what you're talking about just kind of the like patience with it and the letting it unfold yeah. one step at a time kind of becomes clear yeah each step of the way so it's like it doesn't it they inform each other I'm just also so struck about like I hate using this because I feel like it sounds privileged to a degree and that it's writing off very difficult experiences and I absolutely don't mean to do that but I do believe that there is and maybe maybe it's I'll finish what I'm saying and then I'll (laughs) quantify it that way. But like um, all of the lessons that we're supposed to learn are like in our chart. Yeah. Really that it's like and we don't know what they are, the specifics of them. But it's like, oh, this Virgo rising gives context to my sun and moon, because if I didn't have this here to teach me these things then I would just yeah I would just be going all the time or I would really be I would indulge in this darkness a lot at that like that or these really you know um hurtful painful places in me but now that I have this thing that helps me kind of get out of it and yeah um yeah so I was like maybe I think that there is a privilege to being able to look at your chart and and give context to lessons in that way not that it does I think that there probably are there in everyone's chart but not everybody is able to uh, sit around a table and talk with their friends about a thing. Some people are Absolutely. working too hard to have time to look up tarot cards, you mm-hmm. know. So. Yeah, or exactly. Their, or their group of people don't support them. Yeah. Or they're yeah. like, it's hogwash. Yeah. Or like, yeah. well, and there's obviously other ways. It does it, it, I'm not saying that the, either that your natal chart or tarot or anything like that is the one single way to figure out what your like, life is. But it is there are, as but... a tool for you. It is well, when it's, it's for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting you're saying not until that you also didn't think about that until like three years ago mm-hmm. when it's also like, okay, well then you probably Where was I three or years ago? it's like, ago. Well, you weren't ready. You couldn't have received this yeah. three years prior because you wouldn't have put those dots together that way because you needed to go through this, you know, Virgo rising yeah. thing. And One of the most lovely things that I feel like I was also gifted by an astrologer that, because um, I've had really wonderful experiences with astrology readings. And a lot of them talk about Scorpio energy in my readings um but one of the nicest um because you know i think astrology for me like i 
was a very intense, weird, very misunderstood person. Um, and sometimes I still experience that where I'm pigeonholed or someone expects me to be like, um, I don't know, like ethereal or something. And mm -hmm. I just am Lindsay. There's no separation between anything. Like there's no side of me other than um, like I'm private and there are certain things that are myself, but when I'm being myself, I'm just being myself. And uh, sometimes I find myself at the mercy of some projection, but that's always been. It's not recent. It's always been. And I feel like um, astrology actually has been the only thing that's helped me to understand like, yeah, there are absolutely going to be people in this life who are not going to understand me at all. And that's okay. That's all right. That's part of the gift of what I chose in this lifetime to not necessarily be, to be a trigger in certain ways, to not be a trigger in certain ways, to not necessarily be so complex, but to not be super quantifiable in other ways. Um, and one of the greatest gifts I was given was someone who took the time to really honor my Mercury and Taurus in the eighth house. And they were just like so lovely about um, all of those things that came with that um, placement. And it was such, yeah, it was very empowering for me to be like, yeah, there's a lot of communication possible in there. And I have the capacity to put very esoteric things into very plain languaging. And it's great. Well, I think that for someone with the eighth house sun with eighth house Mercury, um, it can be, I think you, it would be natural for people to misunderstand you. Mm. Also, I think it would be natural for you to internalize it a little bit because you understand things like taboo and mm -hmm. life and death, those kind of cycles. So I think it, it, while it's completely natural, it obviously doesn't make your life any easier. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's also, I don't know. Am I monopolizing? Can no. I? You're the, you are the guest also. Um, be be so. our guest. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's funny. We're talking about Scorpio. Like the thing that I struggle with the most um, is Gemini energy. And of course, you see, I have a Gemini North Node and like my Midheaven is in Gemini. Both of my parents who were not great, um, I was in an abusive situation with both of my parents, were both Geminis, both born a day apart. Holy wow. shit. And both of them have Pluto in the first house. Oh, oh my goodness. That's interesting. Well, and your, but your you Scorpio guys. Mars retrograde in the third house. It was horrible, you guys. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Thank That's you. such a rough. I really actually am receiving the love right now. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It was well, really hard. I, mean, I think it's interesting, too, that th this looking at your chart too and being like oh that's the thing yes oh that makes sense that's yeah why too and like the it's like here's my story well and mm -hmm. then your pluto's in second so it's like just that one yeah. step of evolution away from oh you know what i mean yeah it's like i understand that i can destroy i can spend burn money or like mm -hmm. spend you know do other destroy a plate <laughs> yes. instead of like <laughs> myself and the yeah people that i'm surrounded absolutely mm -hmm. well you know what's so beautiful is that since coming to a place where I've really had to like be very humble and be like, bitch, if you're mid heaven and you're North noted in Gemini, like you better get, you better step up with that shit. Cause it is here with gifts for you. Um, 
But since realizing that, there has since been um, a Gemini energy that's come into my life that has been so positive and has really like healed and is healing my relationship with the sign. Like the woman who does project coordination for me and assistant work for me who is literally like without her I would die her name is Iris and <clears throat> she's like literally my beloved like we love <laughs> each other so much um and she's a Gemini and like I always tell her like she's completely transforming my idea of what that sign signs energy can be at its like highest evolution and it shows me how I can step into that a little bit more with my north node and it's interesting how when we like get over our shit with certain signs, then we start bringing in people who elevate like, oh, fuck, like that's mm -hmm. actually what this sign can be. You know, well, it's the, ne the necessity, like when you're resisting it, it's usually because it's like, oh, that's something that I need or is totally. going to be good for me in some way or that totally. I need to work on or something. Yeah. I wonder if some of your theater work was working through some of that stuff as oh, well. Sure. Yeah. Learning to, you know, use your voice and absolutely maybe a little bit of the Leo moon stuff too. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I, we just did an episode on Eris. Ooh, and that—that's uh, when like blowing my. I like cannot stop thinking about it or talking about it or like connecting <laughs> it to things. So I'm it's, behind. Like, totally, I cannot wait to listen. Um, but not that behind. I mean, just, yeah, like it just came out. <laughs> oh, okay, that, that makes me feel better. <laughs> but you—you you use the <laughs> phrase about your Virgo rising about kind of like, and then I think Lisa, you said it. The like you your personality is in service to yeah. whatever and your heiress is in your seventh house. Oh wow. And my as as is mine. And part of that is that like the way that you offset um your disruptive tendencies or your jealousies or people's jealousies towards you about like partnership things is that you do first house stuff. So you would be like, oh I from like fear of being misunderstood, you might tamper down mm. any uh, expression or anything like that because you don't want to be Understood. excluded and then being kind of envious of people who are included mm. and then removing yourself that way. But then having these things where it's like if you uh, speaking your immediate truths, uh, understanding be damned is like balancing out all of those things like the way but it, it will be disruptive to people and that sort of yeah. thing but also it's like that's your that's your course though. it's the general yeah it's the journey i mean even the, just the fact that your aries venus is in the seventh house is just insane to me just as my like, husband's is also his venus is also in the seventh house what's his venus sign sag that's a good mm. That's the, the untamables living in the seventh house together <laughs> to be wild freaks. Yeah, it's not no. always. It's I feel like we're learning to actually let go and be that intimate with each other still. Like we've been together for ten years, and Whoa. it's it's not been. We're both very sensitive. Ten so. years married total, or ten years altogether. Ten years altogether, five years married. I mean, either way, it's a, that's a, it's a long time. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, do you have any advice or would you share anything about like, quote unquote, bad cards? Oh, um, absolutely. How to, how to like. Um, I have so much to say. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Speak on it. Okay. So here's my spiel about bad cards. Um, I understand why people say that. I get it. It's not. I find it very annoying when people are like, Meh. like, I get it. There. So. The tarot really at its essence is 
I like to say it's at its essence is medicine. And if we look at the realm of medicine and we're looking at like nettle, dandelion, rose, there's no bad. And if we can start to look at the gifts of any card that is spiky or difficult, it will totally transform it for us. So while I absolutely understand and like agree with to a certain extent there being cards that run on the scale from sweet to bitter and we can measure that. <laughs> um, there really are no bad cards because all of them bring gifts. Example, without the clearing of a forest fire, there's no allowing for new growth. And that's really tower medicine. And it's very normal. Part of the gifts of part of not the gifts of tower but part of the part of the thing with tower is that the ego doesn't like it because it's one of the two ego stripper cards that and death um that's meant to activate and trigger the ego so the ego is the one who's like no 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 but the soul knows like yeah please take this top off the tower i don't want it it doesn't serve me anymore let's get it the fuck out of here i love the tower yeah me too it's great it's just like let it go and the more practice you have with the tower the better it gets but like example here's another example like if you get 10 of swords which actually is a brilliant card you're just simply at the end of a cycle of thinking and mental energy that is dead. You can't take it any further. You've thought the worst thing that could happen. You're still standing. And you're meant to literally leave the shell of the person that you once were and move into a new cycle of thinking. And it's basically like training yourself to think about cards because we both have those two like radio stations in us, right? There's like the reptile brain that's like, this is disaster or it is good for me. And we have the soul that knows and kind of understands whatever you want to call that. So it takes tricky, it takes practice to be able to go from what the reptile brain says about a bad card to what the soul knows about a bad card, quote unquote bad card. And I, I say that because I started reading at 12 and, um, could not find one book that suited me. I could not find one book that made sense. I couldn't find one book that, and I read all of them that were available at that age and through my teen years where I was like, this doesn't make sense. So I had to do my own work around the tough cards to be able to be like, well, if I track this card and every time it comes up for me, is it actually coming up for me around what other people are saying? No, okay. It's coming up for me around something different, interesting. And the more you just start working with them and seeing that they are bringing something, even if it might sting a little bit, it'll start to have um, something that you welcome. Because, sorry, am I going too long about this? No, this is what we want to hear. Okay, quick example. Five of Cups. No one loves Five of Cups. So let's dispel something right away. Not everybody dates. So five of cups cannot be blanket statement about the end of a relationship because if it doesn't apply to everyone, it doesn't apply. So while it could be about the end of the relationship, we want to go down to the bone that never changes for anyone. And the truth of five of cups is that everyone understands what it is to go through an emotional experience where you legitimately cannot see how it's going to get better. Mm-hmm. And that's five of cups. No matter plug in anything, mm-hmm. the death of someone, a breakup, 
if you said no to an opportunity and you're like, what have I done? Like that's five of cups. Mm -hmm. And the more you start to be like, oh, wow, I'm learning faith in this card. I'm learning how to be with my grief in this card. I'm learning patience in this card. I'm learning that even though I can't see the two full cups behind me, I can only see the three empty. I'm learning to retrain my brain and my nervous system even when I get the card and I'm pinched and tight and I don't like the contraction of it that I've now kind of grooved a new neural pathway with five of cups and I know even though I can't necessarily buy into it and I don't feel it that eventually there will be a turning and I'll be able to see what's there on the other side for me so that's an example of like how we can start to undo some of the more limiting definitions that have been applied to these cards. Do and you read for yourself? And when you do, do you ever just pick up a card and go, oh, come on. Fuck of you. course. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, you? of course I do. I mean, of course I do. Because I'm a person, you know, like, of course I do. Um, and of course I have feelings where when I pick a card, I'm like, I want to just like put my hand on the table and be like, you know. Um, and yeah, I read for myself whenever I need to. Yeah. But of course. Yeah. Are you like medium -y at all? Mm -mm. No. Nope. I don't have that gift. Just, I hear. Just, cur just curious. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad you asked. Mm -hmm. No, I like, I hear, um, like I hear guides. I hear things, but I've not, I do not do any kind of, do not have any kind of gift and admire it so deeply about people who can like work with those who've passed. Right. right. Yeah. Like amazing. I wish, but well, like what's the word that's like in between medium, you know, where it's like when you're reading, like what you're saying with guides, you're just channeling, channeling and like intuitive. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned on your pod <laughs> that February, cause this will be out. Yes. In February mm -hmm. is a bridge month. It is a bridge. What month. does that mean? So here's my definition of it. Cause I never it's heard something that I, I made like, up. Dude, oh, I made it up. Cool. Yeah. I was on a bridge when I was listening to it. What? what? Oh my God. Sorry. I screamed <laughs> it to the microphone. <laughs> okay. So this is my death. You may not agree. I, I want it. I want to know. But okay. January energetically we've moved into a new numerological energy, right? Mm -hmm. And usually, as y'all know, because you're all astrologers, not this year, but there's often like a Mercury retrograde in January. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's eclipses. There's usually something that comes in right after January 1st and goes, oh, you thought. It moves you around a little bit. So mm -hmm. you get a sense of actually what the year wants to do with you, not what you want to do. So January is this kind of initiatory month. And March is like Pisces to Aries, the end of a cycle to the beginning. It's basically like your last month of pregnancy to your birth. It's the beginning of the zodiacal year and is your first equinox of the quote calendar year. Mm -hmm. So February to me is a bridge month because it actually allows you to digest the medicine of January and it helps to prepare you for the incredibly, I find incredibly deep work usually of March. And I think the same thing applies to there. I think there are like two other months that I've um, termed as little bridge months. I don't remember offhand, but so maybe a little bit before we're turning seasons. Yeah, I think or so. Before like big kind of these big events. Yeah. Definitely. Like mutable. 
energy. Yeah. Pisces energy. Uh, oh, yeah. You know. Interesting. That's, I'll have to gonna, go back well, and that's, see. Well, I was just going to say, would you say that they are like... Uh, they might be all the fixed months. Or they well, might that's, be yeah, that's, uh, that's what I was trying yeah. to figure. That's what I was trying to... Interesting. Think. What are the other months? Like, so it would be see. like well, November. April. No, I It would be like May, June. That's uh, I have Gemini. One, I know 1,000% that I have termed November a bridge month before. Well, because it's Scorpio and then yeah. Sag. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and prepares us for December. So it's that fixed mutable month. I guess right? so. Yeah. Whoa. The half fixed, half mutable Amazing. Love it. Well, that's so much of all of it is like where you no- just notice the like bridge month is the same thing as like mutable is the same thing as uh, what's the not cadent and whatever now i'm running out of words but it's like the same (laughs) you know when you know the patterns in all of it's easier to recognize the patterns once you've learned a set of patterns yes so it's like oh yeah tarot makes so much more sense if you're doing like numeral the numbers of it oh because i've learned the 12 signs of the zodiac and how those progress and how that goes so that makes sense now like these association with five and you know so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But, um, you have your, your tarot course. Coming I do. Up. How can people find, or what's, uh, tell us about it. And yeah. So really quickly, um, my tarot course is called tarot for the wild soul. This is our third time doing it. So it's technically, if you count zero, it's our high priestess year and it's our first year moving it to March. Usually it's in the fall and, uh, I could no longer do that. Um, because doing a course like that in that energy is unacceptable. So <laughs> we needed to we needed to move it. Um, it's essentially an eight-week course into the art of what I call soul-centered tarot reading, which is, an, is, is essentially looking at tarot from a trauma-friendly, evolutionary, present-moment perspective. And if there are some things that I've shared that resonate with you, um, anyone listening, then it might be a good idea. You essentially, over eight weeks, go through all the cards, right side up and reverse, through these perspectives. Um, there's an amazing connection with community, um, truly amazing. Um, there's a lot of support and there are beautifully made videos and workbooks that allow people to kind of go at their pace. And, um, I only do it once a year and it's, this is in person. Mm -mm. It's online. online Yeah. That's even better. Even better. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and there are, uh, Q and A's, you can ask questions. Like it's really a lovely course. And, and for the sake of time, if people want to learn more, they can find out everything at tarotforthewildsoul.com. Wonderful. And if you're not yeah. listening to the pod, I yes. mean, obviously, obviously get on there. tune Thank into the you. pod. Um, I do have the game. All right. Yes. If we want to play the game. But I had one yes. selfish question I had to ask before yes. we okay, also go ahead. Go. And I'm just curious. It doesn't have to be a long answer. Please. I'm obsessed with the chariot and I don't yeah. really know why. Does anything, just any instinctual, like maybe symbolism? Because you know, when you read tarot books, a lot of the times, like what you're saying, like cups are, oh, your relationships, mm-hmm. coin is money. Like it's very why are you obsessed with it i just love the imagery you like i just imagery. like them horses i like rearing them in like i just it just seems like just like um like a power it just feels like there's like harness power fuck yeah i think that's beautiful i mean i would just say that it holds it wants to work with you if you're really drawn to it and the the most beautiful thing about the chariot is that it's ruled by cancer so it's both the 
absolute simplicity and yet incredibleness of the universe telling you anything you want to do, you can do it. You're a vehicle under control. You can do it. You're in perfect balance. You're capable. It's considered to be the only good omen of the tarot. That if you get it, what you're planning to do, you can do it. Mm -hmm. But it's also the end of line one of the tarot. Mm -hmm. And so it represents also the crab leaving its shell. And yeah. reviewing and letting and getting to the point where it's like, what aspect of the shell, if anything, do I have to leave in order to step a little further? So it's both Ugh. like seeing how far the chariot can take you and also isolating any areas where you might want to run rather than be in the chariot. Or you might want to just get on a horse and go faster. So it's this cool, it's a cancer. It's just like wrapped up in a bunch of different layers that like you're both totally blessed and like kind of the path is clear for you to go for what you're working for mm -hmm. but you will leave and shed as you go cancer rising to mars here baby you're speaking my language and sorry if that was like asking a I comedian know. to like tell a joke i was like wait dude we go? what <laughs> the fuck are we doing here this is great um right. this person's not in the game we're talking about mary fuck hill oh yeah um have you heard of it this person's not in your thing, but do you, do you know that you share, the only person I found that you shared your big three with was the one, the only, oh. iconic Loretta Lynn. <gasps> what? Wow. Really good one. Wow. Yeah. Guys. That's a good one. That's this is cool a good one. one. That's like, I didn't there, you know. can't really get, and you had so many. Really? Great. So we'll do two rounds. One that's Aries Sun, Leo Moon, that next that's Aries Sun. Virgo rising. Oh, um, this is a dream. We're all gonna play. First up is Vivian Westwood, <gasps> Aries Sun, Leo Moon. Oh, Patricia Arquette. Ever heard of her? Ever heard? Oh, ring any bells? <laughs> and Mandy Moore. Into mm. it. Into it. She and I were born on the same day. Oh, same day, same year. Oh, yeah, pretty sisters. good. <laughs> all right. <laughs> oh, I love that. Mary fuck kill. So who, yeah. Now we have to make decisions. I know, sorry. Well, I'm this having to Google some people. It's fine. <laughs> As, As per, per usual. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna marry Vivian. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna fuck Patricia and I'm gonna kill Mandy Moore. Oh. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah. I... <sighs> this is just what it is. <laughs> Sometimes I think I just have um, too much uh, respect and a connection to the first two. And like, I, I like Mandy, but I, I, Understood. you know, I just, I've only seen one episode of this is us. Um, <laughs> and I've heard that walk to remember song like way too many times because yeah. I was in dance and people did solos to it all the time. So I, I, it's I hear a little, you on that one. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna kill Vivian Westwood uh, because the first page on Google made me want to kill her. Um, <laughs> don't know anything about her. I don't think we would get along. Uh, well, I don't know. She has some weird quote about feminism that I don't like, and I don't know. Um, Mandy Moore, I guess I'm gonna sleep with, and then marry Patricia Arquette. All right, that works. I am also. Just simply based on instinct, I don't know what it is. I'm also going to kill Vivian Westwood. Wow. Because I don't feel sexually attracted to her, and I don't want to have a long-term relationship with her. Um, 
So if I can't allow her to just simply exist without me causing harm or physical contact <laughs> with her, I will kill her. And then um, I would like to sleep with Patricia and I would like to marry Mandy. Because oh. there's something about Mandy that I feel like I know I'm comfortable with her. And I think we could probably homestead really nicely together. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Like literal homesteading, like chickens and goat milk I, and stuff. I mean, yeah. I can, I can but also it. like, I feel like we'd have interesting... And I don't know. I know that she's an Aries, too. And I feel like we'd probably have really good long-term sex through our marriage. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where really. Yeah. Um, weirdly, this has got to go from the gut. Yeah. You I, mean. I think I'm going to marry Patricia. I don't know. I like. Understood. The, I, wa- I want to go to family parties at the Arquettes just to. Oh, wow. I didn't think about that. Damn. <laughs> um, nice. But if you're fucking, maybe you'll get weirdly invited maybe. to one. You know, um, <laughs> I think I will fuck Mandy. She's I mean, she's gorgeous. Yeah. Like, And, you know, Vivian, iconic. Yeah. Like, I would marry and then kill for, like, some kind of trust. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yes. In this context, she's got to go. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Fair enough. I don't know. Uh, she thinks feminists wish women to be like men, and they're not. So maybe she deserves to die. Oh, is that her quote? Well, she's also very the old. She's very she's old. She's very old. Very not old. that me and old, you know. We no, know, I'm very old. attracted to, to some women who are really old. But. <laughs> she meant it in a, a positive way, but I, it didn't come out come off that no. way to me she's an aries it happens they <laughs> know, they've been known to do it yeah um this one the aries sun virgo rising had so many people i'm gonna list you a few people who did not make this round but okay. we just want to know them as doris day hugh hefner <gasps> shannon doherty conan o'brien emma watson here for all of this but for this round we're gonna do warren Beatty. oh god adrian brody and brad garrett Brad Garrett from Everybody Loves Raymond. That's correct. Wow. wow. The big brother. Wow, 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 wow. Well, I'm going to marry this guy, Brad Garrett. Brad Garrett. 100%. Uh, Loved him on I'm Dying Up Here. (laughs) Extremely attracted to him from photo one. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely my type. Don't know if he's problematic, but I mean, I don't think he is. Odds are with men, you know. I mean, he probably is. We don't don't probably is. Okay. And then who who do I have to? Who are the? uh, We got Warren Warren Beatty, Beatty, Adrian Adrian Brody. That's a problem because I, I feel like you have to say you sleep with Warren Beatty, but then. You really want to sleep with Adrian Brody, but you kind of have to do Warren Beatty for the Ooh, to chat about it. I don't know. Oh, no. Disagree. Okay. No. Mm, I'll go know. first. My answers go. feel clear. All right. Go. Um, I am absolutely fuck Warren Beatty. I am absolutely Mary Brad Garrett. I am 100% Whoa. kill Adrian Brody. See, I'm not I available. I think we're on the same vibe here. Yeah, yeah. I think I agree I'm, I'm, I'm not available for any kind of sexual relation or contact with Adrian Brody. He oh. also just recently did like not not like blackface, but like weird that weird thing on that, SNL. That was an old, no. <laughs> that was an old SNL like the old Rasta. Clip or <laughs> he came out in a Rasta hat without anyone asking him to ever do that. Like he just like popped out and was like, next up is like whoever's mm. It was, but it, and it also like wasn't applicable to the band. Oh, it was God. like it was like he just said it was Here only, I am. Was it 
Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll have, have to. to this will be it, for post. That, yeah, that's that. That's what I went to immediately, and I was like, "No way, I'm fucking Brody." You yeah. know, that makes me have to change some answers because you know, so once you know something, I think we've had this before. Mary just... fuck kill, where someone reveals a fact about who you're about to marry, and you're like, "Well, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, thank God, <laughs> thank <laughs> almost you. ruined my life marrying Adrian Brody." <laughs> so I'm just gonna <laughs> fuck him then. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, he could put his like just big his nose. nose in there. <laughs> Up and down. Uh, I'll guess I'll marry Warren Beatty and just brag it. We don't really have any no connection. So yeah, man, I yeah. I didn't want to ruin Warren Beatty, but like you can't Uh-oh. marry Warren Beatty. You can't marry. Did he Warren just something bad too? He's just like super conservative. Yeah, he's oh, like really? he's terrible. He's terrible. He's terrible. That's why, but that's why you'd fuck him. I mean, Brad Garrett is just making <laughs> my, mean, ag- yeah. my argument even. Yeah, he's Brad Garrett. Funny. I think he he's very tall. I think he might he be did, a nice. Fellow. Oh yeah, he's very tall, and he has like he's a extremely good looking. He, I'm sure he has comedy clubs. He can book us at his comedy clubs. <laughs> <laughs> I just searched Brad Garrett problematic. <laughs> And it's there's just the first article's Brad Garrett is racist maybe, oh, <laughs> which we don't. I mean, man. again, do we? Right. You know, exactly. we don't. Yeah. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> um, thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, you were so wonderful. You were so um, welcome. This was a dream. Yeah. You're the bomb. Thank you so much, and thank you guys for listening. Um, check out Lindsay's podcast and her tarot course, and follow her all over. And uh, happy new moon. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to What's Your Sign. Please rate us five stars and subscribe on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you use. If you like what you heard, please support us on Patreon. You can also find us online on Instagram at What's Your Sign Podcast or on Twitter at What's YR Sign underscore pod. You can also like our fan page on Facebook and join our friendship group. Questions, comments, concerns, or to book a commission chart reading, you can email us at what's your sign podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.